welcome to chapter 2. In this chapter, Lloyd describes the turning point which allowed him to begin to recover. I have this memory and I'll like, yep. please correct it, that I'd read or heard something about you describing your symptoms and somebody contacting you and saying, I have these same symptoms and I have X condition. Yep. Yep. Is that yes. true? Yes. So I had an interview on Landline uh, okay. regarding the, the gun and the accident and stuff. And, yeah, I had a bloke call me up from down Mornington uh, and he'd been kicked in Mornington there. Peninsula down in Victoria. Yeah. yeah right. Yep. Yep. So um, he'd been a, a jockey and a horse trainer. Yeah. And he'd been kicked in the head by a horse. Um, sort of, he yeah, had significant damage to his head. Um, and then anyway, <clears throat> he had, yeah, he'd seen me on the tally and he's like, oh, I swear you've got what I've, what I had and what I went through. And, really? Uh, for him, his pituitary was damaged. And, and, and so what's the pituitary? Your pituitary uh, sits on a bone shelf at the base of your brain and that regulates your hormones so that triggers all the, uh-huh. you know, your testosterone, your growth hormone, all these sorts of things. And, yeah. You know, this was three three years in, like after my accident. So I'd put on 50 kilos in the first 12 months. Um, so my, unbeknownst to me, my thyroid had, had just completely stopped working. So I'd, and um, yeah. And then this bloke saw me on telly and he was like, I reckon you should go and get all your hormones and stuff checked. And, and in the meantime, I, I hadn't been sitting around. You know, just <laughs> just waiting for for doctors or, or to go to doctors. Like I'd been going to specialists and been going to um, neurologists and all these sorts of things. Seeing all the people. Seeing all the people. Go. I'd um, I developed post traumatic stress and oh, shit. I'd had um, severe anxiety and depression. I ended up with night terrors. Um, so yeah, every night I'd go to sleep and I'd you know. I'd either see the kids getting murdered or trying to save them and, you know, just the most horrendous shit. Uh, we got so bad that I said to my wife, well, I'm a bit worried sleeping in the same bed easier because I don't know what I'm going to do when I wake up. Because, yeah, and that was super hard. Like it was, uh, I'd never known fear until, uh, yeah, until that period. So, yeah, what your mind can conjure up, buddy, freaks the shit out of you. But, yeah. Wow, yeah. Yeah, so by that stage, by the time this bloke had um, got in contact, I'd, you know, I'd had to sell um, my part of the farming business. Um, so, yeah, we were at a higher debt level and, and I was unable to, um, yeah, to help uh, guide the farm business and, and it had to be run to a certain um capacity or a certain intensity to actually meet the obligations that I'd put in place. And I'd always said to the old man that if anything ever went uh, went bad, that, that I would honour the debts that I'd taken on. And, yeah, because I was one of four and, you know, for me it was about being fair and reasonable and that's sort of how I was raised. Um, and, yeah, so I said whatever happens, if something happens, I'll, I'll sell out and um, 
clear the debts and that sort of thing. And that was hard for Dad because Dad's vision was to always pass the farm on to the next generation and, and that was what he'd always worked to. It wasn't about accruing, you know, retirement for himself. It no, was, no, it's, but there's a bit of a culture in farming. Yeah. Farming yeah. life about buying farms, you don't ever really want to sell a farm. Yeah, that's right, yep. And so I'd bought, um, yeah, my uncle's farm and I'd bought well, one of my uncle's farms and bought. Oh, okay, so yeah. they were even family farms too, just to. Yeah, and so it was this, cool. uh, yeah, so I had to actually sell something that they'd acquired, you know, 50, 50 years previous. Uh, and Dad was. That would not have been. No, it, it wasn't. Easy. It was um, it was quite challenging and, and Dad couldn't really understand the injury. He yeah. was. He's like, oh, no, you'll be right. You just got to, you know, keep <laughs> going. And, and I had doctors and that saying, well, if you stay on the farm, you're never going to get better. You need to go to a, a low-stress environment. At that stage, they'd worked out that the, the grey matter in the frontal lobe had been shorn off. Um, been shorn off. Yeah, so it happens in car accident victims and, and other things as well. It's the rate of acceleration of your brain in the fluid um, and then you does something to the... And this is just from the shockwave of the gun. So there's no pellets. No, of, ended up... You had no blood. Like there was oh, no impact to you. Ended up with a bit of brass from like the base of the shell uh, in my forehead. But it, there was nothing super... Like nothing went through. No, no. So it's like a a bit like a traumatic brain injury that you may see from uh, returning vets who have yes, been exposed yep. to like, uh, yeah. Wow. From my understanding, yeah, the pressure wave has the uh, amazing ability to move things and, and do things because the, the bolt on the gun uh, actually allowed the shot to basically, yeah, the pressure wave to come out uh, at the breech instead of out the barrel. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not ideal. <laughs> no, not ideal, but still vertical. So that was, you see so many other pool buggers get rolled with simple things and, um, I've had a few serious accidents and I'm still going. So, um, But, yeah, so we got to this stage where I'm trying to navigate. Um, you know, I was suffering. I was almost in mourning um, losing the farm or, or having to move off the farm. Um, yeah, being raised on that land and thinking you were always going to take onto it and, um, and then, yeah, to go and break your father's heart and... Um, you know, all this sorts of stuff. His his father had just been moved into, uh, so my grandfather had just been moved into care. He ended up with uh, dementia and all these sorts of things, uh, which was also um, difficult at that time. Uh, Grandpa always sort of wanted to die with his boots on and his joys were working with his dogs and reading and then he sort of got to a stage where he couldn't do any of that. Um, and, yeah, so we had a, a whole range of uh, upheavals, um, and there I was struggling with the PTSD and depression and, and all these things. And then I had this fella ring and he's like, oh, you better go get your hormones checked. I said, no, right So the, doc, the GP I was seeing at the time was uh, yeah, quite open to me suggesting things because we'd come so far and, um, yeah. You'd sort of, you'd reach these little plateaus, like you, you'd get a little hint of something you think, oh, this is it. This is going to be what uh, what improves me. And you would, you get some improvement, and then you'd sort of hit this plateau, and you're like, oh, is this as good as it's always going to get? Because yeah. I had all these doctors and things, um, 
I don't know, it was the most frustrating, especially when you know within yourself that you that you like working and that you know you're not a hypochondriac and you know and you have these blokes who sit there and just look at you like, oh yeah, right, you know, you can't work and all this sort of shit. And sort of insinuating that you just yeah, just not having a go and um, because they couldn't find anything physically wrong with you, and so for them it was oh, it's in your mind or um, yeah. So I I I'm very uh, I very strong feelings regarding the medical <laughs> establishment and the and yeah, what a medical. Um, yeah, where we've come to in this country as far as medical care. We do some really, some things really good, like if you've got a broken bone or you've been in a car accident, they're awesome at it. They're amazing. But, yeah, these other more complex um, things that are a little bit harder or a little bit, um, yeah, there's lots of things where they sort of just throw pills at you or um, yeah, don't take the time to even understand where you're coming from. Um, to go to a specialist, we'd go down to Melbourne, so you drive, you know, four hours, have to stay overnight, you go into a bloke's office and he'd spend 20 minutes with you and charge you 600 bucks and mm. see you later, there's nothing wrong with you. And so that, you know, when you're already depressed and when you've already got all this other shit and you're starting to question yourself. Yeah, it's pretty big. Uh, yeah, because you go, well, what, pretty big hit. what's wrong with me? Like, why can't I get going? These blokes. Particularly got- if you go to a professional and they sort of say there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah, yep. I got- tell you what, you might, you've got some incredible uh, self belief. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I've been through a bit when I broke my back, and yeah, so for me it was. Well, yeah, you're the only person who actually knows you, and uh, yeah, we get all these other external influences, but at the end of the day. You're the one going through it, and you're probably the best judge. Um, you do have to believe in yourself because there's there's lots of uh, things that get thrown at you which makes you question it. And, yeah. And yeah. But anyway, so this bloke rang up and said, "Go and get your hormones checked." So we got into an endocrinologist in Bendigo, and um, said, "Oh, here we go. We're uh, we got something." Went down to him. We'd had all the tests done. Anyway, so he found out I had no testosterone, I had no growth hormone, all these other things. But then, so I thought, oh, yeah, this is great. He's he's found something. We're gonna we're gonna start rocking on. And then he said, oh, we could we could give you testosterone, but I actually think all these are low because you're depressed. Uh. And I went right. I said, so the brain injury I had that sort of started all this has nothing to do. He goes, no, no, I, I think you're overweight and you're depressed and I think I think that's why these things aren't here. So he wouldn't. So he said, go and join a social club. Basically. <laughs> and, yeah, I still couldn't do anything. Like I was, oh. I was. this was, you know, three three or four years in and I still couldn't do anything. I was, yeah, well overweight. Life was just shit. I had the I couldn't couldn't do the farming I want. I couldn't even go and build shit in the shed. Like it was just just the lowest of the low. And can I ask you just a question? So that was because it sounded like you had good support from your GP. Yeah. Um, and it was the endocrinologist. Did you say that yeah. sort of could tell you that you had no testosterone? Were they the only person who could prescribe you testosterone? Yeah. So. And sorry, the other. Drugs you sort of needed in, you know, natural drugs? Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, they were 
they were sort of the be-all, they're now chronologists, were the be-all and the end-all for, for your hormones and all these regulatory things. Because yeah. you've got to be careful with those. They get abused um, uh, in some like bodybuilding and performance. Yeah, sure. And, yeah, you can have all these other side effects that go along with it, so um, uh, thick blood and all these sorts of things, risks of heart attacks. And- oh, yeah, so they don't sort of hand them out willy-nilly. No, no, they're, they're tightly regulated and and most of them even aren't even on the PBS anymore because they were getting over, over-consumed. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I rang the bloke in Melbourne and said, you know, you wouldn't believe it. I had these tests done. There are some problems. And, um, yeah, and then he referred me down to a clinic he was seeing in Melbourne. Okay. And um, they went and did more tests. They actually went and did a, a wider range of uh, of hormones and, and things. So it was like pages and pages, the, the write-up of, of all the things. So I had the 90, uh, I had the testosterone of a 91-year-old. So I think you generally hit testosterone peak, um, yeah, 30s, early 30s, and then you lose 1% a year every year after that. So by 91, you've lost a fair bit. Yeah. So so my testosterone should have been like 22 and it was two. So okay. like it was, you know, basically not functioning and I had no growth hormone and I had, it was about six or eight um, sort of key fundamentals of, of yeah, that I was missing um, and cortisol and all these other things that regulate your sleep patterns and, yeah, yeah just a range of things. Um so were they able to then assist or? Yeah, yep. So we started on a, um, we started on some treatment. Now I was, I was pretty reluctant at treatment at this stage. Um, Twelve months into my uh, thing, all the antibiotics and stuff they'd given me for my brain injury and infections that actually damaged all my stomach and the intestine. I ended up with gastritis and some other itis of lower intestines and. Um, yeah, so <laughs> You're all wary. The, yeah, yeah. yeah, all the meds I given, I'd actually ended up with. Um, you hadn't fixed the problem, but you created others. Yeah, yep. You'd have these side effects, and although I think <laughs> I read one bloke last year, and he said there's no such thing as a side effects. They're all actually effects of the drugs. It's just a term they use to <laughs> to live it like, and it is true. Like they are a direct effect of the drug. So yeah. yeah, so there's these unintended effects of the drugs or side effects as they but do. known effects. Yeah, yeah, yep. And so, um, yeah, <laughs> so I was very um, very skeptical. Um, yeah, it, it is hard. Like it was bloody hard to. Um, times to keep going because yeah, life is just at that stage is so shit and the, the cures are nearly worse than the buddy. And, I mean, you're also the whole time, which is the thing that blows my mind, is the whole time you've had a wife and kids. Yeah. Like we've talked a little bit about the farm as well but, like, yep. you know, having to do that in, in a family environment and, um, yeah. Yeah, and having, <laughs> having little kids, like, yeah, they don't understand, or, you know, they're just, you know, they want attention and they want to be around you and all the normal, you know, beautiful things that you have that go along with kids. And that does put stress on, on everyone around you because, yeah. you know, they're going to pick up the slack and, and uh, my wife is a, um, you know, 
she'll do things to her own detriment for other people. So, so she sort of just puts her head down and, and keeps going. And so, yeah, you have – it's not only you injured, but it has this uh, broader effect yeah. on, on people around you. Um, yeah, and so then we then we found these guys and uh, got all the tests done and we started on that and then, yeah, that did um, really show me what was possible. Like, yeah, I'd been out of Plateau again um, for the current treatments and then yeah, that ramped things up and I was able to, um, I suppose I got up to about 60 Okay, so you started taking all these different hormones. Yeah, yep. yep so. And how quickly was the effect for you? Um it was probably a month or six weeks in. Um, it was a fine tuning. Yeah, it takes a while to balance those things out because everything you add has a, a direct effect on something else. So if they give you too much testosterone, you actually end up producing um, progesterone. Oh, sorry, um, what's the female? Estrogen. Estrogen. Yeah. So too much testosterone, your body body will balance it. Yeah, starts producing um, estrogen. Uh, <laughs> I, I ended up really moody and all these, all these other things that uh, yeah, we laugh about. <laughs> but they wouldn't have been much fun at the time. <laughs> no, no. It became, became a bit more intolerable for my wife. So, uh, yeah. Can I, can I ask a question just because there could well be people who listen to this who are in a similar situation and might also be having trouble finding appropriate medical care, you know? Yep. Is that a clinic that you would recommend? Um, if it is, then I can include sort of details of it in the show notes. I probably can't. <laughs> they got in trouble over the Essendon. Um, right. <laughs> so, Do you have any others? that? I mean, is it something that you can find or uh, is it quite – do you have any tips for people on how they would, if they think this might be something yeah, worth exploring I think, for them? Yeah, so I think the tip is to get – get their hormones levels checked and, and all the rest of it and just to make sure that all those all those baselines are right. I, yeah, unfortunately I can't. No, no, that's all right. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, yeah, there's some things, yeah, it's a grey area like, and there is a real reluctance uh, in the medical profession to look at things that are a little bit outside. They're still on the edge. Yeah. You're seeing improvements, but it also came with other effects. Yeah, like, yep. like uh, some extra moodiness yep. associated with your body producing extra estrogen. Yep. And how long were you sort of on that program? And did that continue to improve, or is it the same thing? You sort of improved into a plateau, or yeah. So um, it continued to improve, um, and then I yeah I plateaued. Like I'm still on daily. Uh, hormone replacement stuff. So yeah. that's going to be an ongoing. Um, so for me, that got some of the fundamentals of my body chemistry back in line. So yep. I felt more alive um, and I could, you know, sleep and all these sorts of things. So that. Um, Which has all sorts of positive flow on effects. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And then I <laughs> eventually worked out that I developed um, sleep apnea as well from the brain injury and the weight gain and stuff. And so, yeah, so we got the hormones right and then there's still all these other things other things that I had to start exploring and treating. Yeah, so I, I had improved. I was able to do bits and pieces. Um, but, yeah, still had a lot of trouble with my brain, um, you know, trying to remember things and, and getting headaches and 
I was getting Botox injections for migraines, um, so they do 30, 36 injections across my head and down my neck. Um, down in Melbourne, uh, it was part of a headache clinic that a professor was running. And if they were, so Botox was developed like as a, um, as a weapon of war, as chemical warfare. So it was atomized. So, so Botox um, paralyzes muscles. And so atomized, when you breathe it, you drop dead because your lungs stop working. So that was what it was developed for by the US military. And then um, when they brought in the international agreements that they'd stop using chemical weapons, they went, well, what are we going to do with this? And we're going to make some money from this. Yeah, and then they went beauty <laughs> industry. And so the beauty industry started using it to paralyse muscles. So stop all your wrinkles and, you know, keep all this sort of stuff. And then the, the medical side of it got into it and they're like, oh, well, for muscles and people who have sore muscles and uh, pain receptors and this, maybe we can paralyse them. So... <laughs> Yeah, so I did that for, you know, a few years and that would that would improve my quality of life. Like it would significantly reduce my... Um, yeah, headache, your migraines. Yeah, migraines, yep. So it basically paralyzes the pain centres and, and muscles in your, in your head and your scalp. So, How often were you getting those? Uh, about three months. And was that locally or did you have to go to Melbourne? Yeah, Melbourne, so, yep. And that would just stop migraines or just reduce them? Yeah, it'd uh, it'd stop the migraines and reduce the headaches. It wouldn't completely remove them, but yeah, it'd okay. sort of take the peaks out of it. Um, Are you still doing that? No, no. So I've gotten to a stage now where I was able to drop that too. Um, and you know, I didn't really want Botox injected in my head <laughs> all the time. So um, it's bloody painful, actually. They feel like paper wasp things and. All right. Yeah, so, you know, not the most pleasant to have a needle stabbed in your scalp and, and it stings when it bloody injects in. So but anyway, so I was able to get um, away from that and and then it was a case of identifying the things I still needed to improve in my life. Um, now, I was raised in a fairly conservative uh, Christian family in rural Australia, so, you know, there's quite a lot of uh, social programming and things you go into. And, uh, and, yeah, and so I, I looked more broadly. Um, I started to question, I suppose, the meaning of life for me and, and why I'm here. And, and um, yeah, my my healing journey turned into a bit of spiritual growth as well, I suppose, and, and looking into yoga and all these other sorts of things and, and wellness and meditation. And, yeah, so I've tried a whole... A whole range of things, uh, which for, you know, as a, a, a red-blooded <laughs> Australian male who, who grows up shooting things and, and uh, doing burnouts and stuff, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's really quite uh, bizarre, you know, to go and say now that I do yoga. and uh, But it's been obviously very beneficial. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this, and don't get me wrong, like... Um, there is new agey stuff that I just go, nah, it's not for me or the, it's got to resonate with you. Yeah. But I take a little bit, I take the bits that work for me out of anything. Yep. So whether it be, you know, Buddhism or whether it be bloody Christianity or whether it be. Um, what was the first one? Buddhism. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yep. So, yeah, I sort of just grab the little bits that, that work for me. Everyone's journey is completely unique. Um 
we all are raised in totally individual situations or you know everyone has different programming different things they experienced as kids and and where you are and what you require at a certain point in time varies um, depending on your journey. So I may have one thing that worked for me, you know, year two in, yeah. but year three I've grown past that and it doesn't, I don't require it or, or it has no further benefit. So yes. I'm um, yeah, very reluctant to say to people that this works and this will fix you because you know yourself when you're sick, and people go, oh, no, you need to go and do this. And you just go, fucking right. <laughs> like, it sort of almost closes the door on it, doesn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And it's always like uh, sort of ignoring who you are and what you've been through. And it's, you yeah. know, it's like, no, no, you'll be right. Just do this. Yeah. And it's not like it's super complex. Like, you know, we are so yeah, individual and our requirements are individual. Even two people with the same injury, like, yeah, you'll have different mental processes or you'll have different self-worth and all these sorts of things. And they all play in yeah. a huge role um, on your recovery um, and even your support network around you has. Yeah. That's the end of Chapter 2. In Chapter 3... Lloyd talks about the things which helped him get better.